So today we're talking about overcoming sales objections. And today might might possibly be one of my favorite shows because uh, I've been doing this show for a few months now. And my guest today is actually my brother, Kevin Campbell. Uh, what's going on, Kev? Good morning. How are you? I'm doing awesome. Excellent. Thanks um, for having me. Absolutely. So there's, in my opinion, when we're talking about sales, um, you're it. You're the it guy in my mind. Um, not you. just not just because you're my brother. I would have hired you at my agency um, <laughs> if I had it. But what I really wanted to kind of introduce the audience to was the, the concept of overcoming sales objections from someone who really doesn't have um, maybe experience in the agency world. Because I think we can kind of pluck things from your expertise, which is okay. really, you know, I know just for everyone's uh, information, Kevin started actually in um, product sales, mostly in the sports retail industry about 15 years ago. And then he transitioned over to home improvement, uh, product and service sales uh, for a, a very large, well-known organization. And, you know, some of the things that we talk about, um, you know, either uh, on a weekly basis, you know, just kind of checking in and we're total geeks about sales. Mm -hmm. um, I think that some of the things can be really relevant. And where I'm coming from with this um, is when I had my agency, I used to talk about sales, I'm sorry, I used to talk about building websites um, to the clients that we were talking to from a really educational standpoint. And I would often use the the sort of analogy that we're building a house and there are all these different components to the house. You have the electrician, you have the architect, the architect might draw blueprints, which are like the wireframes for the website. We need the plumber, we need the interior designer to make it look pretty. So it was a really, really easy analogy and that's kind of what I'm trying to bridge here today. So, I mean, I'm just super excited to have you. And you. I know what I love about sales and business development, but I'd love to know what you like uh, so much about the psychology of sales. So, you know, again, thanks for having me. I'm really super excited to be here. Uh, so when we talk about the psychology of sales, uh, you know, ultimately um, the the listening aspect uh, of a client and what they're going to offer you up front is really going to tell a, a great story. Uh, so if you're doing 90% listening, 10% talking, you're in a really good time, you know, framework there. Um, you know, as with any of my clients, the, the first thing I'll, you know, when I go and meet with them, uh, I really want to, you know, again, establish a rapport with them, you know, again, with the ter type of uh, work I'm in and, uh, and then ultimately really generate, um, you know, a, uh, a layout, if you will, of the product offerings as they are talking to me. So I'm, I'm kind of, you know, jotting down some notes and I respectfully ask that I can do that, you know, so they don't think I'm just aimlessly doodling and just really putting down some, some really, really pertinent information that I'm going to ultimately use to, you know, again, confirm items later on that are really going to cement the, uh, the feeling that they know I am listening to what they're looking for. So it all comes down to listening is basically what you're saying. 100%. Yeah, I, 100%. I couldn't agree more. I feel like the more that you listen, the more that you gather that intel, whether it's, you know, in, mm -hmm. in the creative agency world, it's like a discovery session, um, mm -hmm. just constantly probing and asking more questions. Well, why do you feel that way? Why are you uh, looking to redesign your website? Or why do you feel like you need a video uh, campaign, you know, whatever it is, um, understanding what their goals are, um, what's really driving the need to request mm -hmm. your services. 
um, that'll tell you the whole story as to, you know, how to sell them when it gets to the proposals, you know, uh, phase. Absolutely. And what we also use, we've got a, uh, you know, I'll call it sort of, you know, you're sort of checking the boxes, but every every client is different. But you want to, again, gather that intel from them to say, okay, tell me why the tell me why you're thinking of replacing these windows, you know, currently, are they drafty? Are they leaky? Is the seal broken? So all those things. And then when we go back towards the closing end of it, which we'll address later on in the, in the talk here, uh, is, you know, again, how are we reading back that information, sort of like taking a deposition, you know, so we're going to read that and not to say hold them accountable for it, but you're going to say, hey, remember when you told me I hate those blank, blank, blank windows? Well, I'm going to re repeat that verbatim because that's coming from their mouth and that's gold. Right. You know, you want that because it came from them. They own it. They know it. And it's it. They, they're going to tie that in together and understand that. Right. And but the other thing is that it not only mirrors what they said, it's mm -hmm. also, you know, familiar language to them. Right. right. Um, it's it's them understanding that you really were listening you weren't just doodling on your notebook right mm -hmm. you were listening you heard them and you're not selling them something that they don't need you're selling them exactly what they they came to you for i i agree tremendously so you know every client you know views why they're doing that particular project differently so it may be again i always relate it to what i know and and that would be the exterior renovation side of it so those windows are they leaky are they drafty are they you know um you know uh, not energy efficient so what is the focus what's the driver of, of why they're doing it at this time so um absolutely. so um in your line of work how do you <laughs> address the the issue of moving a customer who's like super indecisive um moving them from a place of indecision to decision mm -hmm. so that you can meet your sales goals um so i don't think it's so much moving them i think it's starting um initially listening to what they uh what they're looking for so you know a, a, a great phrase that i've always heard is paralysis by analysis right so when you provide too much information to a client uh they become confused and then all of a sudden now that opens the door to more objectives uh, objections excuse me so ultimately when they come down to the time to make that decision are they they have a clear understanding of what you're offering or no they're even more confused and that gets you into the hey i've got to think about it hey i've got to get a few more estimates hey you know is that uh, are you providing this so really it's not so much moving, it's your, your, back to your foundation analogy, you're laying that groundwork to start first, and then it, the uh, closing, if you will, of the sale becomes a natural progression of your discussion throughout the whole time that you spend with them. Yeah, well said. Um, so you and I, obviously, we, I said we talk about this all the time. We have mm -hmm. such, I don't know if it's in our DNA, I don't know, people who are watching this, you can kind of tell we're related. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But, uh, you know, we have such a similar approach when it comes to, I think, relationships in general, um, mm -hmm. how we communicate with people. I feel like mm -hmm. we're we're just really clear. We're um, uh, maybe not as concise as we could be because we like yes. to talk, but yes. um, definitely educational. Right. Mm -hmm. So why do you think, um, you know, I guess just in your opinion, why do you think an educational soft sell works better than a, a more aggressive hard sell with clients? Uh, I think the more consultative approach that we like to take again is yes, you're offering them, um, 
all the options that are out there. But again, when you're taking stock and doing sort of your needs assessment uh, up front uh, after you've sort of built rapport with them and understand really what they're looking for, um, you can really uh, put together a package for them. So you're not going to be offering all these options that could really lead them into a uh, down a path where they, they start, uh, you know, having second thoughts or any doubts or anything like that. So, um, you know, you're really just kind of guiding them where they need to be. Yeah, and I love the word guidance because mm -hmm. I feel like that's really what a lot of people are looking for. Um, at the end of the day, the product or the service is not, that's the feature. Correct. The benefit of, of you being the person to kind of not hold their hand, but mm -hmm. guide them through the process, support them through the journey, make right. sure that they feel super comfortable and confident mm -hmm. throughout. Like there's right. nothing more powerful than that when it comes to sales. Tremendously right. I I, uh, I agree. You know, when anyone embarks on a on a uh, on a journey that is very foreign to them, they need to be led, and they're looking again for that powerful guidance. Um, they want to know everything's going to be okay. You know, again, you watch any sort of HGTV show uh, that ultimately something happens. There's always a story, whether it's, uh, you know, I've had door, uh, jobs where it's been the shower door or it's been the granite, you know, uh, countertop, anything like that. But it always ends up that they know at the end of the day, there's going to be resolution and there's going to be peace of mind with you uh, leading, you know, their uh, their journey. Right, right. Mm -hmm. um, can you give us a quick example of uh, one of the hardest customer sales you've ever had, um, either, I should say, either ever or more recently? Just something that was like, oh, my God, how am I going to actually get through this? And, and how did you resolve that? Uh, yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. Um, I've had, I had two clients this past week um, and um, they were, you know, ready to move forward. And, you know, like anyone doing their due diligence, they wanted to understand that, you know, they could be, um, they could have the great understanding and knowledge of the company they were purchasing from. So, of course, uh, like most, uh, you know, educated uh, consumers do, they're going to do some online reviews. Well, you know, at, at the end of the day, you want to buy from a company yes that does great work all the time but i think more moreover you have to understand um large companies are going to have some you know some negative reviews and ultimately you know it almost humanizes the company because if you went to a company that had you know 500 five-star ratings you'd almost say to yourself boy why isn't everybody shopping at that particular place right. so to me, you know, the, the client uh, that I'm referring to, you know, went online and she says, oh, my gosh, you know, you have some there's some negative reviews. I said, yeah, well, ultimately, those are from, you know, some uh, some, uh, you know, installers that were maybe doing work in, say, Ohio or or, you know, no disrespect to them. But, you know, those installers might have been, uh, you know, maybe not the best and they get weeded out. But ultimately, at the end of the day, you have peace of mind that no matter what, that company is going to take care of you in the end. You will have a great job. And um, and ultimately, they're they're. Uh, fears were quelled and uh, move forward and, uh, and, you know, close the deal. That's awesome. Um, so do you typically find that you encounter things like that where people are going online? It's just, it's a re really relevant and great crossover for obviously what we're talking about here with creative agencies. Um, even clients or prospects for creative agencies, they're going to go online and look at the Google reviews, the reviews on the Facebook page, Yelp reviews and sometimes Better Business Bureau, Better Business Bureau, Glassdoor. Even if you're not looking mm -hmm. as a candidate to to mm -hmm. join, you know, a team like that, 
Um, mm-hmm. You might be looking at Glassdoor just to get a sense of, well, how does the CEO treat his employees? Um, you know, what what has been their experience? Because ultimately, those are the people that you're going to work with as the client that's, of the creative agency. That's so, right. You know, those reviews are really, really important. So how does that impact? I mean, you gave a great example just now, but like, how does that impact you um, on a whole or or from the larger standpoint? What's the percentage, let's say, of uh, customers that you see that actually do exactly what that one customer did this week? Uh, whether they're candid about it or not, I think <clears throat> the... I would say the vast majority. I would say in the certainly in the upper eighty percentile would would certainly be looking at those reviews. Um, and whether they tell us or not, I mean, you know, more often than not, with that consultative approach, I get a much more transparent relationship with them. So they're much more free willing with information to say, Kev, you know, I I uh, you know have an estimate from this client and or this uh, vendor and that vendor and this vendor and this is where we're at and and you know again not to sort of you know race to zero as i like to say you know we're not we're not racing to to get to the cheapest price that that we certainly not what i'm going to provide for you is the best value so i think when you look at it and say is the review the be all and end all no but it it really sheds a nice you know uh, clear light on on the um you know um sale that we're going to move forward on with them Mm-hmm. Um, so given that you don't have a ton of resonance with the creative agency world other than me, mm-hmm. um, even with what you do and the crossover of just service based sales in general, mm-hmm. what advice would you give to either creative agency owners or those that are working at creative agencies, um, in a business development role to overcome sales objections that they might have from their, their prospective clients? Sure. So I'm going to flip it around a little bit. And, and I, I think what you have to understand is that the objections occur if your needs assessment and your uh, rapport building in the beginning isn't super strong. Because if you're, you know, providing too much information, sort of data dumping on them, and now they're even more, you know, uh, uh, misled, now they say, well, you know, that's great that Kevin's got all this, but, you know, I want to hear more about that particular product or this product or from someone else. I want to hear from someone else and, and gather that other one. Um, actually, a perfect example would be uh, where clients would say, Kev, before we start out today, I'm just letting you know I'm getting other prices. And then there's been numerous jobs like that where at the end of the day, man, I just feel so comfortable. I'm the first person in there and they purchase from me. Now, again, uh, much different uh, from the, the business side of it, but... Uh, but ultimately, I would say if you're, as I like to say, closing those escape hatches really early so that client can't jump out and say, ah, I've got to think about it. I've got to get another price. Ah, I'm not really sure. You're, if you're closing those hatches early on, they really don't have any objections. So back to our, our, you know, what I call the needs assessment. If you're getting those answers up front, reading them back to the client at the end and saying, okay, you know what? You did tell me uh, I, I'd like to have X, Y, and Z and read it back verbatim so it ties in and makes that personal bond. Because again, it's just like you meant you resonated before with that you're, the home um, for me is the equivalent of, of the office for, for your type of clients. And they will say, you know what? That's a very intimate setting for them. And that's their baby. They have to be taken care of very, you know, with, with white kick gloves. So, you know, you're, you're definitely... Um, really again wanting to listen to what they're looking for yeah Yeah. um Mm -hmm. and what about if if they are looking to move forward let's say Mm -hmm. like you do build that rapport but there's Mm -hmm. something in there that just 
they can't move forward with. Um, let's mm-hmm. say it's uh, a retainer fee. Um, sure. Or it's um, payment terms. How do okay. you address things like that? Sure. Um, so again, uh, in the industry I'm in, I do have some some opportunities to you know ease that burden a little bit, and it's it's very simple actually. I, I'll give you a full disclosure. You know the the payment offerings at at, uh, at the company I'm with, they require uh, full complete payment upfront. Okay, uh, and many people have some re- you know reservations about that. You know what what is my recourse? You know how about if something doesn't go right or wrong or whatever the case is? So I want to make sure that uh, at the end of the day there's some recourse for me. So you know ultimately we have them sign a certificate of completion at, at the end, and that way they are fully uh, they have the leverage. Heaven forbid something should go wrong, but with, on your side of the business, um, you just have to say you know either what you're breaking it out in sizable chunks for them. But again, it just goes back and I keep uh, not to sound redundant, but going back to the fact of if we're doing a good needs assessment, it reduces that fear. They don't have that uncertainty. They're they're buying ultimately you and your agency, but they're buying from you. They're buying what you're offering. And, um, and I think a lot of that is done up front. You're, you're removing uh, closing those escape hatches, making them feel comfortable. So they really aren't going to have those hesitations when it does come down to, to make payment on it. Right. Right. So, you know, I think in some cases also, and I did this at my agency, if, the the client was like literally ready to move forward but mm-hmm. it was like just a little too far out of their budget you know we mm-hmm. could do things like extending the the contract meaning you know okay. if it was a 6 month engagement maybe we dragged that out to 9 months just to ease mm-hmm. their cash flow that could be sure. one example right um mm-hmm. Uh, if, uh, again, cash flow was an issue and they can't make payments uh, on a monthly basis, maybe chopping them up and literally having them on a recurring schedule where they're paying biweekly, maybe that could okay. help. You know, but at the end of the day, what I'm getting at is that you're not reducing your price. You're not right. giving discounts because that undervalues mm-hmm. the services that you're providing at your agency. That's right. 100%. Um, that's a huge, huge thing that I think a lot of clients or are, are agencies are so hungry to meet mm-hmm. those sales goals, to try to grow, um, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like just cutting down those those costs and, um, you know, giving discounts for no apparent reason really mm-hmm. is going to impact your bottom line. And and I don't know a ton about the profit margins uh, in the mm-hmm. industry that you're in, but I can mm-hmm. tell you right off the bat that the profit margins in the creative agency world are very slim. Um, mm-hmm. There are very few clients that I work with that are at that 20, 20% profit margin range. And they're okay. doing, that's awesome. Like that's wow. really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, most are between five and 10 so, wow. you know, it's it's tight. So if you're mm-hmm. starting to discount, oh, well, right. it's a it's a startup discount. You you haven't been in business for more than mm-hmm. two years. So we're going to put a line item on the invoice to start startup discount. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. You know, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's undervaluing what you're offering. Sure. Um, and that also says to me that those are not the ideal clients for you if they right. can't afford those services. And mm-hmm. just simply extending the contract out by a few months or changing the payment terms to get more frequent payments, but again, not reducing the the actual the cost, you know, the mm-hmm. actual fee. Um, those are fine. You know, everybody has different cash flow needs and situations, but really, really just want to hit home. 
do not discount the prices. Um, right. You know, when you go in, you should be going in for a number that you know you're going to make some money. You know that that's you know value uh, to that client, and you know we could get into a whole nother conversation about uh, you know fees based on versus on hours versus um, you know value based, which I talked about with uh, Jason Swank in a, a few episodes ago. The whole thing to say is you know really um, leaving you guys as creative agency owners and business developers just listen right listen yes. Make them feel comfortable. Um, mm -hmm. Anything else you want to just throw in there at the end? Uh, I, I agree 100% with, with exactly what you're saying. And uh, yeah, you certainly don't want to devalue what you're providing. I like to say it, we're not racing to zero. We're not trying to be the cheapest guy, uh, you know, and, you know, most I, I, I find that actually I'm not uh, the highest price or the lowest price i'm right in the middle and i think when when homeowners can understand that and they say wow he's he's fairly priced uh i'm getting a, a great value for that then uh, you know i definitely see why i'm going to be selecting him as a, as my uh, contractor to do the work right awesome mm -hmm. thank you so much for being here kev i really appreciate it thank you very much for having me have a great day <laughs>